Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. My name is Spencer Powell, the Inbound Marketing Director at Builder Funnel, and each week we bring you marketing and sales strategies for your home building or remodeling business. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is marketing and sales strategies in between job sites. I'm your host, Spencer Powell with Builder Funnel. And today we have a special guest, Victoria Downing of Remodelers Advantage. And Victoria is a leading authority in the remodeling industry. She writes for Remodeling Magazine and she's leading roundtables, which are the fastest growing peer group for remodeling professionals in North America. Pretty awesome, glad to have you here today, Victoria. Hey, thanks for having me, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely, and um, yeah, it was awesome. I was just out at the summit, so we just saw each other, you know, maybe a week and a half ago, but uh, yeah, it's it's been cool to see that grow. I think you guys had over 500 people this year. That's right, and thanks so much for being part of that. You know, it's the, the people like you that were out in the exhibit hall talking to all the members that really brought a lot of energy to the whole event. But yeah, we were very excited about it. It was a blast. I think our speakers were great. The vendors that were there were very involved and, uh, you know, it's nice high energy level. So awesome. I love that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Get some good networking in and mm-hmm. get everyone together. So um, this is a good, a good podcast episode because we just came back from Summit and I'm sure you're talking to all these people at the show that have all these big challenges and you're hearing you know what they're they're struggling with and so that's really what we wanted to talk about today which is what are the top mistakes that you see professional remodelers making in their businesses today and so let's just kick things off and get started and let's start out with what do you think is the number one mistake that you see remodelers making in their business well, you know, the interesting thing is that not only am I able to talk to the people who attended the summit, that's sort of, you know, sort of high level because you're talking to so many people at once, but I also had the opportunity to sit in on a bunch of our roundtable group meetings, which are meeting right before and after the summit. And, you know, we have different levels. So when people come in to our world, and again, a lot of the people who attended the summit were our roundtable members, they have a lot of the same basic mistakes at the beginning. So I'd say the biggest mistake that remodelers have when they first join us, when they first start their efforts to improve their business performance, is that they don't understand the numbers of the business. And they don't put enough emphasis on learning them at the beginning until they realize that the numbers from financial reports and from performance metrics and job cost reports and all those numbers tell the story of the company. And if the numbers make sense, and if they're accurate and if they're organized properly, they can show you where the problem areas are, which lead directly to a solution, right? If you can see the problem, you can find a solution more times than not. It's when you don't know what the problem is. And if you don't know your numbers, it's very difficult to figure it out. So yeah. that's one of the biggest mistakes, I think, that I see remodelers making. But, you know, I mean, I've been in this a long time now. and. <laughs> that uh, emphasis and that that realization of the importance of the numbers has changed over the years. So more and more people are realizing that if they want to drive their business to the top, they have to embrace the fact that they got to know these numbers. I mean, they just got to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's all about the numbers, huh? <laughs> well, especially in your world too, right? On the marketing side of things, you must find the same things, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, when we talk to a lot of remodelers, usually some of them have budgets because they've looked at the number and they know exactly what they have allocated. And we'll talk to people and they say, I've used my budget for the year. And so let's talk in Q4. And then some people will talk to and they're going, yeah, I need to do this and let's go. And, you know, maybe they have a good grip on their numbers and they, they know they have that flexibility, but probably to your point, they maybe don't know their numbers and they're just winging it and they're going, yep, I need more marketing. I need more sales right now. Let's go. Well, I imagine if that happens, that they rely on you to help them find the numbers, put them in a format that they can understand and, and figure out what story that tells about their marketing efforts, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you really need to look at that whole pie, the, the marketing and sales budget and try to figure out, okay, where do my best leads come from right now? And am I getting enough leads to hit the sales volume I want to be at? And right. we talked to a lot of people, it really enters this discussion around growth. And so some people feel like, yeah, I want to grow by $2 million in the next year. And then they want to spend $20,000. And you kind of right. are looking at that and going, well, if you, you know, you've spent this and if you want to spend that again, you either need to spend it more wisely to grow or you're probably going to stay where you were. So there is that, that discussion that comes up pretty frequently as well. You know, and while, while originally, you know, when we first started talking, my head was around financial numbers. P&L, profit and loss statements, balance sheets. But another thing that, another set of numbers, which falls right into your world as well, that I'm seeing more and more conversation around are conversion numbers. Conversion from lead to quality lead and quality lead to design contract, if that's the next step, and then to construction contract. So everybody's trying to increase efficiency by making, understanding those numbers and improving on them, even a little bit. You know, that I think brings up a good point because some people don't either track those, which is probably what you're finding, um, or they don't actually have the technology and the mechanisms in place to track that. But when you originally answered the question, you said, you know, the numbers and people don't have a good grip on their numbers. What do you feel like uh, looking at all aspects of the business is the toughest area or the, the biggest problem child in terms of numbers that people don't have a good grip on? Is it the marketing sales or is it production? Is it, you know, where does that fall? Well, really, it's even more foundational than that. The first place that we always have to go, I mean, not always, let's say 99.9% .9 of the time, when a new person comes into our world, we look at the profit and loss statement, and the biggest problem comes in how they're sorting their job costs or the costs of goods sold. They aren't sorted in a manner that matches the estimate. So you can't look at the estimate and say, okay, I'm estimating the job will cost this. I'm going to mark it up to get this margin and then use the profit and loss report as a tool to help you manage that because they don't match. So if they don't match, you, it's, <laughs> like, you know, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So that's the first thing we have to fix. The next thing I think that we have to work on with members most of the time is, well, again, 99% of the time, they don't understand what they have to charge people in order to cover their costs, pay themselves well, and make a consistent net profit. If I, you know, again, I've been doing this a long time, but if I had a dime for every time somebody said, well, I can't charge that in my market, I would be seriously rich. Yeah. Of course, I always come back and tell them, I can give you a remodeler in almost every city in the United States that is charging an amount that's double what you're charging and making good money. 
and they're selling it. It works. It's your head trash that you have to get over. It's not the market. So I think that understanding, once they get their stuff organized, then it's understanding what gross profit margin they have to achieve in order to reach those goals. And again, in our world, that is above average owner compensation, consistent, healthy net profit year after year, and enough money to hire good people and give them the, the compensation package and the environment that will keep these superstars working for your company. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I mean, being able to hire those good people allows you to move your prices up too. So it kind of, exactly. uh, all the pieces affect each other there. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know this article, but there's a, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's a Harvard Business Review article called The Service Profit Chain. And it's all about exactly what you just said. It's all about hiring really good people and keeping them engaged and happy and, and excited and passionate about what they're doing. And that in itself drives the company profit through a whole series of steps, you know, going from the employee to the customer and the customer feeling that passion and feeling the satisfaction to referrals and background, allowing those companies that start out by taking care of their employees to charge higher prices, deliver better service, and grow like crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll link to that article in the show notes for anybody listening. So we we hit the numbers. That's the big the biggest problem you see. But let's uh, let's talk about a few other problem areas. You know, what are some other mistakes that you see remodelers making in their businesses? I think the next one would be their unwillingness to delegate or inability they may want to they may not know how to or they just may not want to because they feel that they have to stay in control of everything in order to ensure that everything works properly so you know i do a, a one of the one of my speaking things is i do a little program on how to delegate and how to get people to understand what the benefits are they're huge and then how to do it in a manner that doesn't put the company at risk and that keeps the owner feeling comfortable each step of the way. But it, it's a challenge, you know, because if you don't do it right and if you don't put in the training and the time that's needed to delegate properly and make the person you're delegating to be successful, it can be a horrendous mess. And I've seen a lot of people over the years hire somebody, throw them into the job. Like for example, one of our members hired a salesperson, threw them into the job, didn't check the estimating, didn't check the project thoroughly enough, oh, didn't no. do the training. Yeah, and you can see where this is going, right? Then they fired the salesperson only to find that there were dozens of jobs that were underpriced, missing materials. It was a flipping mess. So you gotta do it right, but you gotta do it if you wanna grow. Now if you're happy, where you are, then that's then don't delegate. But if you want to grow your business and grow it into a business, you have to learn how to delegate. So I think that would be the next. Yeah, and you know, as you were saying that, it just made me think about this point, which is I think a lot of people they say I want to grow, and in order to grow, you usually have to become uncomfortable, and so that may be <laughs> delegating something or. That's that may right. be, you know, spending a little extra on sales and marketing, or you make that jump to hire the salesperson because you need more sales. Um, and so 
I think people go, yeah, I want to grow, but then I want to do the same thing that I've always been doing because that's comfortable. And so, yeah. and you really can't, you have to make that leap. And so when you think about delegating, is there a certain position that you feel like or role or job function that is the most challenging to delegate? Boy, it depends on the person. The, the, the way that I see it working historically is that sales is typically the last thing to be delegated. You know, that's usually the position that the owner hangs on to the longest. They're the face of the company. Inevitably, the owner can sell better than an outside salesperson in, in the far majority of cases because they've been doing it for years. A lot of times they really have a passion for what they're doing and they do a good job at selling. Not everybody, of course, but that's that's the case often. So then, you know, let's say that there's somebody... Okay, so a lot of our members are, are, are uh, going into their second generation and they're training second gens or emerging leaders, that sort of thing. So let's say it's a father-son company. This is pretty typical. Father's been doing this for 35 years. He's got a heck of a clientele. The son's coming on. The father wants to retire. Well, they're going to have to hire two salespeople to cover with that father after all those years and <laughs> yeah. all those relationships. He's a pro. they got to hire two people, you know, and then it starts getting really tricky, you know? So that's usually the last thing. Usually sales, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. You do see that uh, that family aspect in a lot of these businesses as well, which, which makes it fun, but it can also be challenging. Um, yes, for sure. All right, so we've hit, you know, the numbers are a big one, and then delegating, kind of becoming a little bit uncomfortable and growing. Um, what other mistakes, you know, pop out to you as you think about, you know, these remodelers that you've talked to over the years? Well, you know, as you and I were brainstorming prior to this about some of the topics, you sent me a little email and you really hit them all on this. But the next one that I think that we're on the same page with is the idea of the owner having the discipline to follow the processes and procedures that are put into place in the company. You know, it's so funny because you know it's the owner who's breaking these rules, right? Always, so, always. <laughs> always, right? So let's say that there is uh, an owner and there's another salesperson or two on the staff. And then you go to the production manager and the production manager might say something like, well, I had to put that job into production before the package was complete because we needed the work. I said, well, whose package was it? Well, it was the owner's package, and they told me to get going, to shove it through, and then I didn't have all the details, and then we had slippage, and then, you know, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's disciplined to follow the rules and procedures there, but it's also sort of going back to delegation a bit, and I'm, I'm going to put a little pin in that for just a second. So I believe very strongly in uh, meetings as a method of communication among staff members, right? For me, I've found as we've grown, and I mean, we're not big, we have 10 people here, but what I've found as we've grown is that taking the time to sit down with a key manager for a half an hour to an hour a week to focus on their issues, answer their questions, get everything cleared up with that one key manager saves me hours of time and being interrupted and having to deal with all the issues that come up about it, right? So I've got several meetings during the course of the week and I also have then we have a whole staff meeting at the end of the week so that everybody's up to speed on what's going on sort of high level so when we're talking about discipline I think that one of the places I see owners in particular and other employees too but owners lead the lead the charge is not having the discipline to make these meetings a priority they skip them something else came up and 
you know, if they had a client, oh, I could not go see that client at this time, or just a variety of things. So they just blow it off. So what happens to the rest of the team when the owner is modeling that kind of leadership and that kind of discipline? Well, then it falls apart all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's a big place where I see people uh, making mistakes. Gotcha. And so it almost seems like it turns into a little bit of a snowball because you've got some really good systems and processes. And if everyone follows them, that's great. But then when leadership sets the example, then other people might follow suit right. even after, you know, after that. And very much so. Gotcha. Yeah. I like uh, that idea of meeting with those key people each week. I mean, I do the same thing here where we have one-on-one -on -one meetings and it's gotten to the point where I actually do that bi-weekly now because it was taking up uh, a good chunk of the week right. and it wasn't actually getting anything done. Uh, but yeah, you uncover a lot of things in that meeting and people will oftentimes hold things for that meeting so they're not running in the right. office all the time. Exactly. And that's what I have them do. I send emails. Now this is me and I'm, we're all here in the office so I get that, that in a remodeling company a lot of people are out in the field but I'll throughout the course of the week be sending emails to my key managers and they know not to answer them. They just keep them until our meeting and then we go over them all at once. So it allows me to get it out of my head and it's not my responsibility to bring all that stuff to the table. It's their responsibility. So the monkey's off me, but we get everything covered. That's awesome. So it really works well. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's one of my favorite things to do, which is batching. You know, so it's a basically, <laughs> a, a, you know, how can we batch all these problems and questions into, you know, a concise meeting? So I love right. that. Um, so you said, you know, delegation, a big challenge um, in terms of lack of discipline, but also really with those processes, procedures, and then even, um, I guess it falls under that, which is those regular meetings and methods of communication, but then not keeping those and, and holding them. So then uh, all those problems kind of come back to you because you haven't, you, you know, you blew off a meeting or skipped it. You know, one of the big ones that I see people not paying enough attention to a process as well as a meeting, I guess, in the end is regular job, uh, regular production meetings, regular job review meetings. So we recommend, and again, it depends on the size of the job and how you're set up and all that, but at least bi-weekly meetings where you're reviewing job costs compared to estimate and seeing where the job is. One of my greatest griefs is when I see people with slippage, meaning that they have estimated their job and they've created a sales price that they are aiming for, let's say, a 35% gross profit margin, but they're hitting about a 30%. I mean, I've seen some terrible slippage issues. And, and that 5% slippage is a lot of money. And a lot of these companies aren't taking the time to sit down and look at those job cost reports compared to estimate to come up with an action plan if they see the project going south. If for some reason something was missed and concrete is twice as much as you thought, well then how are you going to bring it in? Get your team involved, it doesn't have to be always the owner, and sit down weekly or bi-weekly and make sure these jobs are on task and if they're not, come up with an action plan to bring them back before it's too late. Yeah, and I. You know, I'm thinking about that because you've got your job review meeting and the one-on-one -on -one meetings. Why do you think that is that that discipline is so hard? Is it just human nature to kind of, you know, because they probably know these things. They know sh they should be meeting with their team. They know they should be reviewing the, the job, uh, the jobs and how they're going. 
Um, but trying to dive a little deeper here, you know, why do you think that is? What's under underneath that? Well, you were at the summit, right? Mm-hmm. Did you listen to the keynote speaker, Chris McChesney? Execution. <laughs> right. He, he's the author of the four disciplines of execution. And I brought him in as the keynote speaker because I read the book. And what he said in that book resonated with me profoundly. And it resonated with me so much, I said, i got to bring this guy in to talk to our members. So what he said, and this is what I believe happens, is that there's two different parts of your work world, right? There's the big projects, what he calls the wigs or the wildly important goals and the, 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 the projects that you know would drive your company performance forward. And on the other hand, there's the whirlwind of day-to-day business. People coming in, your subs calling, clients calling, an order uh, arrived with some materials broken, you have to meet with a new client, the job site signs need redesigning, all that stuff that's just part of your day-to-day world. And I believe, like he does, that people get so caught up in the whirlwind that they can't find their way out. So they, they just blow off all the other stuff that has more to do with forward thinking, and they just try to keep up with the whirlwind. So in order to stop that, you've got to get in the habit of building blocks of time scheduled for yourself or for your meetings or for your planning or for the big projects within that whirlwind. And what he recommended, which I love, is that 80% of your time is still going to be spent dealing with the whirlwind, just the day-to-day stuff that's constant. And 20% should be dealing with the big projects, the looking forward, the improving processes and all of that stuff. So that's what I think happens. We just get so busy with the whirlwind, you can't see beyond it. And then you stop having the discipline and you're like, well, I was, I'm really busy, so I must be doing something right. Yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. That, that false sense of busyness. Um, right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And yeah, we'll definitely, uh, for anybody interested, we'll have to link up uh, the book as well, uh, Four Disciplines of Execution. Um, you know, so, I think we've got time for one more, you know, mistake that you're seeing. I want to give people, you know, a bunch of these things, some nuggets that they can work on. So uh, if you had to pick one more mistake, a common mistake that remodelers make, what would that be? Well, I think that it would probably be since, since revenue drives the machine, right? You have to have the revenue to get everything else done. I think it's the lack of a sales system and the lack of the metrics to measure that sales system. So what I'm talking about there, and I think a lot of your listeners are gonna relate to this is, especially in the businesses where there's only one salesperson, which typically is the owner. The owner will be out there selling, 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 selling. They'll get a nice little backlog going. They'll get all this stuff moving into construction. And then, oh my God, it all has to be produced. They jump over to production. All their focus goes to production. They're helping out the production manager. They're getting everything organized and they take their eye off the sales ball. And they don't realize it until, oh my God, I've got no backlog, we've eaten it up. Now I gotta jump back to sales and try to get it going. And the same thing happens with marketing, right? They, they'll do marketing, 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 then they take their eye off the ball, they drop it, they move over here, they produce, produce, produce. They don't realize that it takes a good six months to a year to really get that campaign, all those marketing tactics really rocking and rolling to produce the quality leads and so on and so forth. So that whole pipeline is ignored. And I think that's a big mistake. 
Yeah, and that's super interesting because it, it's got me thinking. I wonder if that's a challenge with a lot of small businesses because we see that a lot with uh, with marketing agencies where you've got you know the owner will sell, 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 and then you get a bunch of work, and then they need to dive in on deliver. So it's like sell, 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 deliver, deliver, deliver. Sounds like the same thing happens, and then you kind of just keep jumping back and forth, and that kind of brings us back to you know your other point of hey, you've got to eventually delegate, and then you've also got to create these systems and follow through with the, the discipline. So, right. um, And watch yeah. those numbers. I mean, I remember one guy. Do we have time for one more comment? Absolutely. Okay, so I remember this one guy that we worked with. He was a master of this pipeline. He knew all the conversion rates. He knew how many leads had to come in to produce how many quality leads. And in our world, a quality lead is or a qualified lead is one that is worthy of an appointment, worthy of a meeting, right? Gotcha. If it's not worthy of a meeting, it's a raw lead, it's, but if it's qualified, you'll go see them or they'll come see you. So he knew the conversion from raw to qualified, from qualified to design contract, from design contract to construction contract, and he knew the length of time and the conversion rate in all of those steps. So he could predict far in advance of where his production was going to be based on the leads that were coming in the door. And if he wasn't getting enough, he'd crank up the volume on that marketing and get in more leads so that the conversion rate would be stable or improve potentially. It was an awesome thing to see. That's he was in control cool. of that sales pipeline <laughs> all the time. Yeah, and if you know, I mean, like you said, if you know those conversion rates all the way through, then it becomes a, okay, how many leads do we need? to get to X dollars in sales. And it's just, and you you know you've got a leads number rather than a sales number because the rest of it will just kind of follow along. Right, Yeah. exactly. That's awesome. Well, um, thank you for sharing these top mistakes. I do wanna give you an opportunity to maybe leave people with one piece of advice. You know, we've talked about several areas that are uh, pretty challenging probably to overcome uh, or at least very common. But uh, one piece of advice, it could be um, have to do with anything in the business or it could be, you know, how do you start going about taking some action steps to tackle any of these uh, challenges that we've talked about? I think the best piece of advice I could give any owner of a remodeling company who wants to improve their company's results is to take the time to plan in advance. Just like you plan a project, you estimate a project, you make it all work on paper before you start building. The same thing is true for your company. Start by building a budget. Understand how much money you have to produce in order to cover all of your overhead, pay yourself well, and have a net profit. Once you understand that, you can start building the rest of it to figure out how much, how many jobs you have to sell, what the margins got to be, what revenue you have to build, all of that. Then you can start thinking about the following year, and are you going to, or even this, the, let's say 2018, are you going to add personnel? Are you going to start delegating more? How are you going to pay for them? Where does it fit in? Plan it out. Make it work on paper. Find that sweet spot, and then go for it on the streets. Awesome. That's great advice. And Victoria, how can people find out more about you or Remodelers Advantage? Well, we'd love everybody to subscribe to our Power Tips. Uh, you can go to our website at uh, www.remodelersadvantage.com. There's a subscribe to Power Tips button right there. It's a twice a week little newsletter and videos that we send out that is just packed with information specifically for owners and key managers 
a remodeling company. So I'd love to have that. So thank you for that opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll definitely put a link to Power Tips as well as your website so people can find out more and subscribe. And Power Tips is an excellent newsletter. I've been subscribed to it for many, many years now. So I definitely recommend that you guys go out and, and check that out and subscribe. Uh, but we are going to wrap for today and close this down. Thank you again, Victoria, for joining us. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. And we just love working with you, Spencer. So it's been a pleasure. Cool. Thank you very much. And remember to subscribe to Builder Funnel Radio. And if you want to learn more about Builder Funnel, you can go to builderfunnel.com and check us out on Instagram and make sure to follow us there. And so with that, we will wrap for today and we will see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.